Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Hello, Lou. How are you today? Swell, swell. And yourself? Excellent. I'm looking forward to, to today's show, and I'm going to actually bounce it right over to Lou Weiss uh, for our listeners, uh, who is going to introduce or reintroduce uh, our guest uh, and what last week was about. So, Lou, why don't you share with our listeners what last week was about? Uh, last week was uh, regarding uh, quality in America, and uh, we it was a part one, and we had uh, uh, discussed. Uh, the ASQ quality system with uh, Michael Barry um, and uh, it was a very interesting show a lot of good information and uh, Michael is uh, a, a very responsive talker so therefore we decided to continue into part two which is uh, today uh, so in just a moment we'll be bringing him on uh, a, a news item, uh, as uh, some of you may uh, re- recall, we are endorsers of the Manufacturing Day event uh, in the month of October. Uh, I just wanted to bring you all up to speed about that, that the president has uh, issued a presidential proclamation calling it a Manufacturing Day, an official uh, celebration day in the United States. Um, I think there may be a slight misunderstanding either on my side or Mr. Obama's side, but he did refer to October 3rd as the official day, but I think it really is the first Friday of every October. And the fact that they've gotten this recognition from the government and the president in just three years is just amazing. Uh, There was a total of 1,600 events throughout the United States, and over 100,000 people throughout the United States did participate by going to uh, visit uh, manufacturing plants, uh, going into schools and libraries, and hearing speeches from people from the manufacturing sector. So it it was a huge success, and uh, uh, I'm feeling quite proud that we were in a very small part of it, but we were. And um, at the moment, I'd like to turn this back to Tim and uh, make make our intro. So manufacturing is cooking across the country, but you can't cook without quality. So we're going to be speaking again today with Michael Berry. And, Michael, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the audience and ASQ and give a brief description of what that is before we jump into the uh, Forbes Insight uh, document, Culture of Quality. Michael? Tim? Uh, Lou, uh, thank you very much uh, for having me. Uh, It's great to be here again. I'm uh, Michael Berry, uh, the Senior Manager of Corporate Communications here at ASQ. And ASQ, it stands for the American Society for Quality, although we go by the acronym, is a a global membership organization dedicated to quality performance excellence. We have over 76,000 individual members approximately 60 enterprise members, large Fortune 500 companies, hundreds of small to mid-size companies as site members, and dozens of other smaller organizations around the world. Uh, We provide quality and continuous uh, improvement uh, solutions, uh, including knowledge, resources, training, professional certifications, uh, advocacy support, as well as career development and networking resources. Uh, We are headquartered in Milwaukee, and we operate national service centers in India, China, Mexico, and also have a regional service center in the United Arab Emirates. Back in uh, 2008, ASQ decided to go global. Uh, Before then, we were mainly uh, domestic-focused, and hence we we opened up these offices and continue to expand uh, around the world. Uh, Michael, Michael, what's the difference between ASQ and ISO, ISO. Well, uh, ASQ is uh, we're uh, 
an association that uh, we work in concert um, with with ISO. So okay. ASQ is actually the U.S. organization that administers uh, the U.S. Uh, tag, which stands for Technical Advisory Group, to the uh, the TC-176 Quality Management and Quality Assurance. And that's the group that uh, develops the ISO 9001, ISO 9000 uh, standards that um, are uh, attributed to, to quality. Um, and so... As the administrator, uh, we're responsible for providing the, the support to, to TAG members, subject matter experts, as they form the U.S. position on standards. So to make a long story short, ASQ and ISO collaborate on standards, but ASQ standards is only one small part of, of what ASQ uh, is about. We're actually... Okay. Uh, so with the ISO 9001, which, again, is capturing everybody's attention because it's uh, such a huge uh, update and release that's coming out next year, ASQ is one of the few places that you can purchase a standard. Okay. Now, we're going to be speaking today, and I would like you to explain this next piece, Michael, to our listeners about a Forbes study called the culture of quality that I guess was done in concert with ASQ. You want to introduce that document so our listeners understand what it is and also where it's available, which I think is your website? Yes. So, Tim, the uh, ASQ Forbes Culture of Quality Research Project started uh, earlier this year, and it culminated in the release of a white paper approximately a month and a half ago. This research, the first of its kind um, global research conducted between ASQ and Forbes Insights, the research arm of Forbes uh, Media, uh, offers actionable insights into how a culture of quality can accelerate business performance. That's the premise of the research uh, that we conducted with Forbes. And it's the first of its kind study in that an association and a major media partner coming together to delve into uh, a topic such as culture of quality that produces not only a white paper, but I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later. The second phase of the study will feature an online assessment tool. So that will allow individuals and companies to go in and assess their own uh, culture of quality to see where they're at and what they can do to accelerate it and how that can drive business performance by uh, developing and adopting a more mature culture of quality. Great. I want to make sure everybody understood that. And am I correct that that is available on your website, uh, ASQ.org? Tim, um, the most direct website is cultureofquality.org, which oh. is on uh, ASQ's website, but it's a more direct link. So cultureofquality.org. Individuals can download the white paper. We have it available in English, uh, Spanish, and Chinese. And you do oh not need to be a member of ASQ to, to download that. There's no, no cost to download it. But that would be a, a great first step uh, to download the research. And before I, I get into the uh, findings and then we have a little bit discussion about the research itself, the website that you download the research also features some insights uh, from those involved in the research. And you can also have the opportunity to interact, share your opinion, uh, comment on social media. So you can look at this site as sort of a one-stop shop for the, the entire research project. Tim? Okay, great. Uh, thanks very much. Now, Michael, just help us understand here. When we spoke with you last week, we were talking about the three, I guess they were kind of the three drivers of quality in an organization, and that's vision, values, and leadership. And in between last week's show part one and this week's show part two, I've been kind of fascinated with the subject of quality and done a lot of research. You want to explain vision, values, and leadership to our listeners? Sure. So when, when you look at um, many uh, individuals, employees are familiar with an organization's vision, which is which really resonates at the very top of the organization. And from the mission and the vision is what comes the, the strategy for the business. So uh, when we're talking about quality vision, quality needs to be at the very top of the organization. 
and the research we'll, we'll delve into it a little bit more, but talks about the importance of leadership at the top unequivocally supporting quality. So the quality vision at the top of the organization is really demonstrating the business case for quality and showing how the pursuit of quality and continuous improvement advances an organization's um, objectives. Now from the vision come values and the values that an organization embodies helps their employees at all levels throughout the organization make better and more responsible uh, decisions re related to issues of quality and helps them understand how their role fits into uh, that of the organization, specifically related to quality. Okay, and I Jim? understand there's kind of a disconnect. I know in the 70s and 80s we heard a lot about quality, in the 90s and the early 2000s, it seems to have lost its, I don't know if it's its appeal or its cachet. And now there's a, kind of a revival taking place, but we're not quite there yet, are we, Michael? Uh, no, absolutely not. But, um, Tim, you, you made a great point, and, and absolutely quality did have uh, that luster back in the 80s and 90s. And thanks in part to, I mentioned it last time, the, the documentary, If Japan Can, Why Can't We? And that was fueled largely by nationalistic fears between um, U.S. and Japan. And Japan started to um, outperform the United States. And so there were a lot of, of fears that, I guess, one, Japan would take over the United States or the United States economy would continue to sink. And quality was really what, what brought the U.S. back, um, and, and a lot of people who were around at that time haven't forgotten that. But since then, the voice of quality has certainly diminished, and perhaps quality is implied or seen as something that we've maxed out the value and we can't lock, unlock any more additional value. But either way, in order for quality programs to be effective and lead to sustainable change and business performance, leadership at the very top must be completely invested. And just to demonstrate by, by, uh, by data that that's not where we're at yet, that yes, we certainly have lost that luster, we have lost that commitment from senior leadership, pointing back to uh, the recent ASQ Forbes Culture Quality Research. And that, and, and overall, um, the, the, the respondents only half said that the quality vision uh, is understood through the organization, um, mm. which is very low. And only 60% um, leadership say that management supports the quality vision and values uh, unequivocally. So that's that's 40% are admitting that they don't really have that strong vision values backing completely. So that's, that shows definitely a significant gap at the very top of the organizations if the values and the vision aren't outlined and completely supported and articulated by leadership, you can just imagine the problems that follow that trickle down in the organization. That's certainly going to be true. And Lou, I know that you are an ISO 9001-2008 uh, shop. Um, give us kind of your read on that. Don't know that I hear. Is your mic on, Lou? I heard in, in 1994 uh, was the uh, beginning of uh, our uh, involvement with QA. Uh, and, and as a business owner, I looked at uh, QA at that time as a marketing tool to bring in more business. Uh, shortly into the process, and there certainly is a lot of things that take place, namely uh, implementing change to the employees who are typically resistant uh, to any kind of major change. But within a very short period of time, and, and I think the classic case was the day that we received our certification, uh, our registration, uh, we got a phone call from a uh, manufacturer in Wisconsin who said that I need to buy XYZ, and it was know, about $50,000 worth of material. He said, but I can't find anybody who is ISO registered, and I have to buy from an ISO registered company because our customer is in Europe. 
and uh, that was our first order. Uh, we quoted it that afternoon, and he immediately gave the order because he knew no one else was around to do it. Uh, so we we saw it as a uh, economic uh, factor. Uh, but later on, and now it's 20 years later, um, we find that the um, errors that take place uh, in manufacturing, uh, in documentation, and in the processes also add a huge amount to the bottom line. And uh, matter of fact, uh, Michael, your other report uh, making the economic case for quality, I think, really outlines that very well, that the upper management should clearly should clearly be in, uh, uh, involved because it effect, effectively directs right to the bottom line. So um, that's uh, that, that's that's been our uh, reaction to it. Plus the fact that the quality uh, we find that quality is uh, directly affects end product uh, value. Uh, there are those who do not feel as though that the process is worth all the effort and it should be the product that should be certified. And actually, I'd like to ask uh, Michael that question. Uh, we did hear from a, a listener uh, last week who really bitterly complained about the fact that uh, the ISO, ASQ, and others uh, are concentrating too heavily on the process and not on the product. Um, I disagree with that. Uh, I'm just curious what your uh, thought is on that. Lou, um, process process quality and, and product quality certainly go together. Um, through various processes, whether we're talking about a tangible product or a service, um, there's several uh, intermediary um, products and services before getting to the end product. And there's also uh, after uh, product sales, uh, such as warranties, uh, service, uh, that, that occur as well. So we're talking about not only um, product uh, process quality, excuse me, but also um, product quality. So both of those are very important and are well within the domain of quality. And, and if you don't have quality processes, it would be very difficult to arrive at a quality product. Absolutely. I agree 100% with you. Thank you. I think, and I've been in your shop, Lou, and, and had an opportunity to observe uh, your system, and certainly I would agree with that, that uh, what you're certifying is your process. Really, you can't certify the process if you're don't have a quality product underneath it because if there's any hiccup in that product, it pops up in the system as either a corrective action or a preventative action to make that next product as more close to perfect as it can possibly be. And I think that's the whole point of certifying a process is to manage the process so the product reflects the process. I don't, I think that's the way it goes. Now, Michael, this report that we're going into, the culture of quality, what are the other main important points that you want to share with our listeners? Sure. Well, one one important um, dimension, probably the most important, that we don't always talk about a lot in quality, which is instrumental and it's gaining a lot more traction, is really not is shifting it from the internal processes and systems to who is this all for? It's for the customer. The customer is really who we need to be designing all of our quality processes and systems around. So because that's that's who we're trying to deliver value to. So we need to be bringing the customer more back into the focus of our quality um, you know, processes and, and systems and measurements. So and what was startling to us, actually, and very revealing was almost half of the res overall respondents of the survey said that the customer needs are the driver um, of, of the quality program. And though 24% said that their organizations are highly effective in identifying their customer needs and and expectations. So 
that's over three quarters of them self identified themselves or their organization as not being highly effective at identifying what those customer needs are or expectations. So again, that's that's a significant disconnect and opportunity for organizations to say, you know, if if we don't know up front what our customer needs really are and what their expectations for quality, are we sort of shooting darts in the dark? And that, that was a significant finding um, from uh, the research, uh, along with the uh, what I mentioned about the vision and values. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break here. And when we come back, Michael, I would like you to share with our audience some of the upside benefit of having a quality program in place. But let's take a commercial break, and we'll be back shortly. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. All Metals and Forge Group manufactures open die forgings in blocks, hubs, shafts, flanges, cylinders, gear blanks, and custom forge shapes, including seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, nickel alloys, copper and titanium for parts and assemblies in aerospace, oil and gas exploration, defense, machinery, transportation, shipbuilding, energy and power, pulp and paper, and many other industries. Visit steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And welcome back to our listeners. We're talking with Michael Berry from ASQ, or the American Society for Quality. Michael, what are some of the upside benefits of a quality program? Tim, if we look at today's economy and how um, hyper-competitive it is, especially since the, the recent recession, Organizations today, in terms of the the organization's survival, depends on their their ability to respond quickly and cost effectively to to pressures that are created by you know global challenges, global competition, regulations, uh, industry changing innovations, uh, constant and the, just the constant need to continue to unlock value satisf- for the customers, satisfy customers partners and stakeholders. So we're, we're in a do more with less uh, uh, environment, and that's the, the, the new mantra. So needing to unlock value uh, is critical. And quality, continuous improvements, performance, excellence, all of those frameworks are proven methods for enhancing um, business performance. Uh, here's let me just give you a few examples on the uh, on the financial end and then also some other benefits that that organizations can reap and to get started with a quality program um you know the audience or the listeners might think it's something that you need a substantial amount of money to get started which isn't the case um there there's steps that you can take that are very little cost and then as you continue to um accelerate there, there's different levels of investments depending upon how you know quickly you wanted to establish your, your quality infrastructure. But ASQ has a, a program called International Team Excellence Award and w- program. And what this is, this is actually practical, real-world teams, project teams from companies of all different sizes around the world that compete through um, a, a project teams using uh, ASQ's established criteria for quality and uh, continuous improvements cri- improvement criteria. And what these teams do is submit their project work, what the results were, and they're judged by, by a panel. And let me just give you some idea of, of some, some teams that um, and, and what, the, what they were able to achieve. And most of these projects are done in a one- to two-year time frame. So 
there's a, a, a company, for example, um, Baxter Bioscience. Uh, they had a, a, a production delay of, of filterate, so this is this is on their production side, um, and they saved uh, since correcting that they saved um, 3.4 million dollars. There's um, a uh, Volkswagen, for example, um, in uh, Argentina. Uh, they had a problem fixing a transmission failure that was detected during road tests. They saved. They avoided over 100 million euros. That's about 140 million dollars of potential losses and warranty claims and machinery investments. There's a net promoter score. So if we talk about um, the brand, uh, company's brand, and you know how valuable they are in the marketplace, there was a uh, services supply team that was making uh, organization-wide improvements, and they made some cutbacks in uh, customer um, customer uh, uh, interactions. So what they did was they put a project team together to reverse that, and through the, their efforts, they improved their net promoter score by 6% and their customer issue index um, by 4% as well. So there's a lot of financial um, results and non-financial results um, as well. Um, there was a cash order system um, team that put together that, um, and again, this I'm giving you different examples of different industries and different projects, but this project team within a couple of years saved over um, $19 million due to the enhancements in their cash order processing. So these are some significant investments, and some of these companies I mentioned are not gigantic Fortune 500 companies. Um, getting more specific within quality, by, by organizations that implement um, quality and they tie their quality metrics. So going back to the visions and values and strategies, well, the key performance e indicators and metrics that are tied back to the strategy, what that does is it also helps assist in the establishment of strategic goals, preemptive decision-making, and rewarding and incentivizing staff and suppliers. So it starts to create a little bit more uh, uniformity, consistency, cohesiveness within the organization. And then another factor to consider as well is going back to the customer. So customer satisfaction and employee engagement tend to go hand in hand. So again, by motivating your employees, by the employees understanding how their roles fit into the organization strategy as it relates to their quality expectations, that actually creates um, you know, a higher level of employee engagement uh, and satisfaction, and, and hence, then one could correlate um, productivity as well. So, certainly, a lot of uh, tangible um, benefits with quality. One, one I want to also mention, just recently, that was uh, in the uh, Forbes Culture of Quality, um, so that any everybody here can access it. Is, and this was uh, a, a FedEx uh, quote uh, that's found in the study. Since the launch of our quality-driven management program in 2008, we've been able to achieve hundreds of millions of dollars of cost savings. So I find that a very powerful statement because, granted, that's a larger company, but if you look at a smaller and mid-sized company and scale it back even, who, who wouldn't want to be, be in the position to, um, within a short period of time, save a couple million dollars? Tim? Certainly. Certainly, and I think in speaking with a, a large world-class company recently, uh, the executive said, Tim, we really only have two choices. You either improve quality or you hire more lawyers. And I think that that's – I think those are probably your two choices. Um, I just want to make sure that, uh, uh, Lou, you had a comment or a question in this uh, in this exchange. What – was it that you wanted to uh, add or talk to Michael about? Um, Michael, was uh, you were referring to fairly substantial uh, companies, uh, and, and certainly any change in quality or processes is going to have a major effect, $19 million, $100 million in savings and so on. Um, we deal, and a lot of our listeners are uh, the small to medium-sized uh, manufacturers. 
and clearly their uh, advantages, uh, financial advantages, aren't as great as, uh, of course, the larger ones. But I, I think it needs to be stated that uh, the, the cost savings and uh, increase in profits and increase in revenue, because you are ISO or ASQ or you know whatever uh, program that you're involved with, is going to have a major effect on your bottom line. So even though uh, much of our conversation this week and last has been about large corporations, the small to medium-sized companies, uh, if they buy into it and get the employees to buy into it, there's there are significant, significant dollars uh, to be made. Uh, Michael? Yep, Lou, absolutely correct. And we have a case study. Of, uh, I was the program I was talking about, the International Team Excellence, we have case study upon case study, and a lot of these are, are actually on our website as well um, for, for listeners to, uh, to, to, to review and see uh, the, the projects that were put together. But this, this program, uh, all different size organizations participate in this program, and, and that's what makes it truly wonderful is it's not a program that just a large, well-funded company um, participates in. We get teams from um, all over the world, all different types of industries, and all different sizes of industries that have very, very impressive results uh, from their projects. And we're talking even smaller to mid-sized companies, uh, certainly in the order of several million dollars in savings or additional revenue that they were created because they enhanced uh, a process that, that was flawed and that was holding them back from generating uh, additional revenue streams. Now, Michael, in this study, this Forbes study, as I read it, 37% of the respondents or the companies involved in the study were under $100 million in, in revenues. Is that right? Yeah, that's a great point, Tim, and thanks for pointing that out. That yes, that's correct. Thirty-seven percent were under a um, hundred million dollars in revenue, and then an additional ten percent were a hundred million to, to two hundred and forty-nine million. So we're talking fifty percent uh, of those uh, uh, respondents fit into that category. So certainly, um, as as listeners who are, are part or work for a small uh, mid-sized company, as you read through this, certainly. You know, you can have confidence that it's several of your peers in terms of industry size have, were included in here. Um, so these these numbers should certainly resonate with uh, the listeners. Uh, Michael, um, if there are some listeners that are tuned into either last week or this week's show that are not yet involved uh, in a quality program, uh, is there any way they can reach out to ASQ and uh, talk to a counselor or uh, a QA individual to help get them started into the process? Lou, absolutely. First of all, ASQ has hundreds of site members, which are mostly small to mid-sized companies. Uh, we work in, in partnership with these organizations to help them either establish a quality system, a roadmap, or help them improve their current processes and systems um, through a series of customized solutions. Because again, every, every company, even within the same industry, is different, and we recognize that. So from knowledge resources, uh, including best practices collected from around the world, um, to access to ASQ's divisions, uh, technical divisions, those subject matter experts, to training, coaching, certification. Um, ASQ can, can help uh, those organizations move forward on their path to quality. Um, site members also looking to add talent can gain access to ASQ's uh, career center. So certainly those are for those who would be looking at ASQ as, as, a, as a partner moving forward. But for those that just want to learn more about what are steps that I can take, absolutely, ASQ is, is here to have a conversation with you to at least point out some things that you can do to get started or to unlock additional value um, through uh, the, the establishment of a stronger culture of quality and hence implementing um, a, a more solid quality program. Um, so our, uh, webs, our, our email address, let me just provide that for any uh, listener who, who'd like to, to reach out um, to ASQ, um, would be uh, C-O-M-M, so stands for COM Communication, C-O-M-M at ASQ.org. 
And uh, Lou, another tool that's coming out is the second installment of the uh, the Forbes ASQ Culture Quality Research is an online assessment tool, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks. And that will actually allow individuals and organizations to go in and uh, take a self-assessment to see where their organization stands in terms of their quality system and culture of quality. Uh, at that organization. And what they'll be able to do is they'll receive a report card along with a copy of, of their responses and how those responses compare to that of everybody else who uh, took the original survey that was used to compile the white paper. And they can share that with uh, their bosses, their boss's boss, their colleagues, and it'll give them um, some, some advice in terms of some things that they can do to uh, move their culture of quality forward, in addition to an invitation to speak to an ASQ representative to get a, a, a read on the uh, on their report card, or at least an interpretation, and what does you know what does this mean for me? What can I do? And uh, we're, we certainly would be happy uh, to do that to speak with anybody and have a conversation. Uh, Lou, that'd be that'd be terrific. Uh, if you could let us know, Tim or myself, uh, by email or call, and as to when it's coming out, uh, I may want to have uh, All Metals and Forge Group uh, take a look at that survey and see where do we fit into the uh, spectrum of things, and perhaps report that back to you directly. That would so be great. Michael, Michael, question for you since. Quality is kind of uh, struggling back from having lost its cachet. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for quality to become a a C-suite position? And I see, for instance, Samsung has a senior vice president and leader of consumer satisfaction cited in this in this uh, report. What's it going to take for companies to get quality back to the top? Tim, I, that, that's an excellent question, and although I'm, I'm sure there's lots of different perspectives, I think the the importance definitely with reaching the C-suite and really being able to have quality uh, find its way back into the boardroom is to communicate the value of quality in dollars and cents to the C-suite. And so the more that, that we can do within the quality domain to uh, storytell and show the, the senior executives that quality does pay and it has a whole host of other benefits, that's what's going to get their, their attention. And so it's part of it is, is telling that story and being able to quantify it um, in terms and language and business language that they can understand. Sometimes in the past, quality has, has been spoken in a more technical sense and it's been difficult for executives to really understand what all of that means. So Sometimes it's um, talking about the linguistics and, and how that can then suddenly resonate with the executives who are saying, you know, I, I have pressure to, you know, increase the shares, uh, the value of the shares, so what, what else can I do? But at the same time, you know, my customer needs and demands are changing, so how can I also address that? How can I, you know, engage my employees more in a sustained way? Well, there's something that's actually out there and available and proven that can help you do that. Tim? Michael, let me ask you. Well, let me let me throw it to Lou for a second. Lou, in All Metals and Forge Group, where does quality report to the <clears throat> to the president? So it reports that, to you. It reports to me, and uh, and and Michael's been saying that uh, it's got to come from the top down. Um, and uh, the, the only the only way that all the employees do buy into that is that. When you are having a quality issue uh, within your product or processes, if the president's not involved, uh, why should they be involved? So uh, it's it, it's always been uh, reporting to me. And I, I know that that's made a big difference uh, in in a lot of things at All Metals and Forge Group that Lou and I have discussed over the years. And we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back. And, Michael, I'd like to talk to you about some of the major benefits such as improved time to market or higher product quality or reduced costs and higher margins when you start to look at a quality program and what it can produce for a company. So let's have a quick commercial break and we'll be back shortly. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. 
When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.com. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. It's no secret that manufacturers are having trouble filling jobs. Now, with ThomasNet's new job board, help is on the way. For manufacturers, ThomasNetJobs.com is the go-to resource to recruit new talent. Post your jobs and get in front of thousands of potential employees. Or, if you're looking for a new job or you want to reinvent yourself, ThomasNetJobs.com offers exciting opportunities from the shop floor to the C-suite in supply chain management, engineering, production, or sales. Remember... ThomasNetJobs.com. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And welcome back to our listeners. We're speaking with Michael Berry from the American Society of Quality and Lou Weiss, who's our sponsor with All Metals and Forge Group. Michael, there are a lot of significant benefits for a quality program. And I know a lot of companies look at quality and they go, oh, boy, you know, it's just going to be overhead and things that we have to pay attention to and more paperwork and it's a cost center. But in reality, it changes the picture dramatically for a company. For instance, improved time to market is one of the things that I think I pick up on that quality can actually result in. Is that right? Yes, um, Tim, Tim, that's correct. And when you look at, um, you know, speed to market and by having within you know the if we talk about in the quality space st- uh, standardization so we're operating in a, in a framework or standardized um, processes for quality management that that improves um, efficiency of, of adoption um, compliance and then also um, speed to market so by by standardization is one way um, that organizations can improve upon um, getting things to market quicker. And another thing that's sort of related to that is uh, upfront planning and alignment. So by having um, quality goals and, and, and measures within an, or an organization, um, you know, you need to have those, those, those goals um, aligned throughout the entire product and service value chain. So when those are aligned with operations and support functions and that at the strategic level, then you can enhance, um, you know, quality for um, preemptive decision-making, for example. And what what that does is it, it makes it so it's more proactive rather than reactionary or having surprises down the road that mm-hmm. could delay a product or service from getting to market. So having that upfront planning, alignment, uh, and again, that, that can go back to visions and values as well, um, standardize um, processes. Um, so one, one, one statistic I want to point out when we're talking about standardization, this, this came from our, uh, the ASQ's Global State of Quality Research that we did last year, uh, which was taking a baseline of quality measures from around the world. And because our conversation has touched on ISO, um, 70, according to that uh, that research, 78% of manufacturing companies versus 52% for services are are basically one and a half times more likely to use ISO as a quality framework. So again, by implementing quality um, systems and frameworks, there's a whole lot of benefits to that, including the possibility um, or the likelihood that you know if, if everything else is is held constant, that you can get your products and services to market quicker. Tim? And something else that shows up in your report, Michael, is that when you're not fixing the screw-ups constantly, then you have time to focus on, as you said, this front-end planning, but also 
driving innovation and risk-taking, and that, that comes across clearly in your report. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's um, that's very uh, that that's a good observation because again, we're, we're we're looking, and I think the modern, more broader definition and role of quality is less about just product performance. So once it rolls off the assembly line, we're just talking about product performance. But it, there's a whole other host of benefits and attributes as well. So before I hit on some of the, the dollars and cents, and then just some of the efficiencies that you can unlock, but um, but quality, too, is also important um, when you're talking about risk management and innovation. And the reason why innovation has really started to get a lot of spotlight in quality is because innovation is inextricably linked with the customer. And so companies that can focus more on, or let's say less on putting out fires and more on driving customer satisfaction, taking that time up front to learn and understand the customer needs, having a solid feedback loop to capture all of that and synthesize that information and data and then be able to take action on it. Those are the companies that, that are able to drive innovation. So that's really where, where innovation comes into play um, and how it is so closely tied to quality. And the same is, is with um, risk management and, and a risk culture. So, you know, with, with quality, of course, quality comes risk. So if you don't, you know, if you don't have good quality, then, of course, there's more risk that opens up. But when you're talking about quality and innovation, there is a certain amount of, of risk-taking that, that may be necessary, especially to achieve innovation. So what, um, what quality is doing is trying to say, okay, what, what's the right amount of risk-taking? How can you manage it properly, assuming that there is a certain amount of risk that's going to be had within any given organization? So that those two um, um, dimensions, risk taking and uh, uh, innovation, are are definitely gaining a lot of traction within um, the quality circles, just because it is so uh, related. And there's an example in the white paper um, from Tata, and I would encourage listeners to read that. A very interesting story about how they actually have a uh, an award for those that failed trying to innovate. So it was sort of a, 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 a dare to try award, I believe they call it. And it was an award for, for you know, taking calculated risks in order to achieve uh, innovation. And so that it didn't, so that those that it didn't work out with, it didn't stifle innovation, but it rather said, you know, we're, we're never going to reach innovation unless we fail. So, you know, some would say, um, fail faster, succeed quicker. Um, that expression sometimes comes to bear. Um, but also, uh, another on the uh, upfront end um, that also was was discussed in the study is having the time to really be able to look at uh, big data. So we hear a lot about big data, and even unfiltered, unstructured data that comes in, and and who's able to? Is there a systematic way to process all of that data that comes in, and how can that feed into quality, continuous improvement, uh, the customer, um, you know, pursuing quality? And so that's something else. And then then also social media. I mean, social media is another channel where a lot of organizations um, get uh, market intelligence and also intelligence on their customers in terms of what they want, what they don't want. So. That again, taking all that together is is something on the front end that can make an organization become more proactive in its um, pursuit of quality. Tim, now, I know that there's something scary in all this for every company, and it's the the group they don't want to ask, but the group that they desperately need and need involved, and that's their customers. Now, nobody wants to ask your customer. Well, how how is our quality? Because you might hear stuff you don't want to hear. But that's critical, is it not, to be having a successful quality program? Tim, uh, absolutely. Um, if you're, if you number one, if you don't know, if you don't ask your customer, you don't really know um, what they're looking for. Not only now, but what they what they're going to be looking for in the future. And if you can't anticipate their future needs. Um, then that's going to going to cause problems for your company and your organization, and likely you, you'll see that um, translating into the bottom line. So, as much as we don't always 
want to know, it, it, it's critical that we do know and that we do involve our customers up front, not just after the fact in terms of a post-purchase surveys, but really up front in terms of different stages of, of design, um, and, and not only just talking about products, but services as well. And also that we have that we implement a, a continuous loop for customer feedback and customer satisfaction. So um, there may be a, a situation where there's, uh, you know, from the service standpoint that there's a product purchase, but then there could be a customer service experience after the product or, or again, a warranty claim or something after the product service uh, uh, purchase that, that we need to take into account as well. So. The, absolutely, uh, a customer demands for quality, and that even uh, um, came floated to the top um, of the survey in terms of you know what drives your company's pursuit of quality. Over half of them said it was was the customer demands for quality. But the irony is that many of them admitted that they didn't uh, involve the customer as much as they should, especially on the front end. So becomes absolutely critical, and those that that are um, involving the customer and um, are, are, are definitely going to be um, reaping the rewards. Michael, what you spoke earlier about what quality can unlock. What can quality unlock for companies? Certainly um, quality can, um, you know, the most narrow definition of that is, is quality can unlock um, efficiencies, so waste reduction. Um, and that's probably what a lot of people would associate quality with is, okay, we can, we can become more profitable if we reduce waste. And that could be in terms of time or it could be in terms of materials. Um, so that certainly um, holds very strong. And then, again, our conversations around um, the customer. So un unlocking value and efficiency is, is all about knowing your customer. So it's, it's who you're selling to and being able to understand them better not only can make you tailor your products and services more effectively, but once you do that, that can give you a key competitive differentiator in the marketplace. And that's really, um, you know, what every organization would like, was, would be able to, to tout their, their quality um, as one of their, their key competitive differentiators, as well as uh, serving a, a barrier to entry to, to competition coming in. Um, and mentioning things like as well um, employee engagement so uh, having a solid quality programs and for st for for all employees to understand how that fits into um, the organi organization's business strategy is important and can um, you know hold dividends for um, employee satisfaction and productivity and uh, and then also um, you know uh, motivating so in terms of we haven't really touched too much on incentives and rewards and, and that kind of came through strong in the survey as well that you know in order to drive certain behaviors that the right motivations need to be put in place um, one of them being incentives and rewards which again need to be tied back to the the strategy the values of the company and the expectations for each employee okay and and then of course um, you know Companies that, that have to, because of poor quality, um, have to often um, have, you know, setbacks. And, and we hear, we still hear a lot about recalls um, coming back through in, inconsistent quality. So that, again, creates a lot of, um, not, I mean, not to mention the cost, but a lot of rework and um, perceptions on brand. And, and we haven't really touched a lot on that. But, again, companies' reputation, um, that, that can really hurt a company's rep reputation. And that's... Um, now how quickly stories can spread on social media and through other outlets these days is really a negative um, quality experience can really um, damage a company. So, make, you know, having quality right, doing it right, has a lot of, on the, on the upside, has a lot of po positive potential for the reputation of your brand. Well, I think that is certainly a very strong and compelling laundry list of things that companies should take into consideration if they don't have a quality program. And I'm, I'm getting the sense that we could really break the marketplace down into three groups of companies, Michael. Uh, those who don't have a program, those who are implementing a program, and those who have a program that are that's underappreciated. Uh, you've talked about a uh, 
some help that they can get from ASQ for those who don't have a program. Is that also valid for those who are implementing a program or who have a program that's underappreciated? How can ASQ help them elevate their program? Sure. And, um, you know, one thing to mention, too, about, you know, quality and continuous improvement is that it never ends. So there, there's no finish line that you get to that says, well, we got it right, so we're now in stage three or four and, and we're done. So it's almost, you know, uh, it's like any company would never be complacent that says, you know, our product or service, it's done, it's there, it's going to be around for 20 years. You know, you can never get too comfortable with it. You have to con- you have to keep at it. You have to continuously improve. Um, so, with that being said, certainly organizations that have either uh, implemented or started a, a path towards, uh, you know, unlocking that value for um, improving their quality programs and, and systems, um, certainly ASQ is there, um, you know, here ready in, in, in partnership with organizations, no matter where you are in your journey, to to assess where you're at and then be able to give you some some strategies and uh, ideas for taking you to the next level. Um, there's, there's certainly, it's not, uh, a quality journey is not something that um, takes a company a year or two to get there. It, 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 it takes a lot of dedication, a lot of work. Uh, some of it involves uh, resource investment uh, more so than others, but it's something that um, ASQ has worked with uh, lots of different organizations on each one of these three different phases of their quality journey. And, um, uh, yeah, I'll just take an example of certification. So we work with companies and individuals in terms of um, certifying and, impl- and enhancing their employee skill sets. And we do that from the first phase to those who are just getting into quality. And then the third phase, so organizations that have a very mature quality system and are looking to certify what we call master black belts, which is, is the highest level of certification. So we, we have different resources and, and, and uh, uh, along those lines. So, yeah, absolutely we're equipped and ready to help um, organizations no matter where they are in their um, quality, in the quality spectrum. Uh, Michael, you want to give us your URL again for those who may have tuned in late into the show? Sure, Lou. Uh, it's uh, www.asq.org. And for the URL for the uh, the research, the ASQ Forbes Culture of Quality Research Project, again, is cultureofquality.org. But you could also get there by going to the homepage of, of ASQ.org as well. Lou? Thank you. Uh, we're getting near the end to uh, wrap up the show. And, uh, Michael, I want to thank you uh for appearing on our show twice. We appreciate that, and you've given certainly a lot of great information and uh, help to uh, our listeners. Uh, I do want to mention to our listeners that uh, about a half hour after this show, 2.30 Eastern Standard Time, the show will be uh, recorded on our website at mfgtalkradio.com. Uh, you may want to listen to part one first, so you get a little bit of continuity. Um, and uh, there are 37 other shows you can listen to as well. So, again, Michael, thank you. And, uh, Tim, take it away. Michael, we certainly do appreciate you coming back on the show. Uh, there is a lot of great data that you presented, and your papers certainly are invaluable for our listeners to read. And this study is also invaluable for them to get their hands on. We uh, certainly want to express uh, our appreciation, and I'm sure the listeners' appreciation, that this information is free of charge. Uh, There's many, many studies out in the marketplace that are really done for very high-level companies, and they're thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars. And really our focus on manufacturing talk radio is to speak to the small and mid-sized enterprises that don't have access to a lot of the things that the major corporations and OEMs do. So thank you for sharing with us what you uh, put together with Forbes and being on the show. Tim uh, and Lou, thank you very much. It was, it was a pleasure being here, and um, it was a great conversation. It was, it was great to be um, I'm talking with you and, and um, 
being able to share um, some a little bit more about ASQ and, and the research with uh, your listeners. And absolutely, I mean, this this research uh, is is available at no cost, and really, it's it's an education. It's really to start kind of going back to our earlier conversation, Tim, about what can we do to really get quality accelerated and, and moved up the food chain to the executives. And, and sometimes it's it's by putting together research that that people can access um, without Thanks making so it much. cost prohibitive. We Thank sure you, Michael. And that wraps us up for Manufacturing Talk Radio today. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.